Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Welcome to the Psychology Podcast, where we give you insights into the mind, brain, behavior, and creativity. I'm Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman, and in each episode, I have a conversation with a guest who will stimulate your mind and give you a greater understanding of yourself, others, and the world we live in. Hopefully, we'll also provide a glimpse into human possibility. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the podcast. Today, it's so great to have Dr. Judith Orloff on the podcast. Dr. Orloff is the New York Times bestselling author of The Empath's Survival Guide, Life Strategies for Sensitive People. Her new book, Thriving as an Empath, along with its companion, The Empath's Empowerment Journal, offers daily self-care tools for sensitive people. Dr. Orloff is a psychiatrist and empath and is on the UCLA Psychiatric Clinical Faculty. She synthesizes the pearls of traditional medicine with cutting-edge knowledge of intuition, energy, and spirituality. Dr. Orloff also specializes in treating empaths and highly sensitive people in her private practice. Dr. Orloff's work has been featured on The Today Show, CNN, Oprah Magazine, The New York Times, and USA Today. Dr. Orloff has also spoken at Google LA and has a TEDx talk. Oh my gosh, there's so much. What haven't you done, Dr. Orloff? (laughs) A lot. (laughs) So anyway, so much to talk about today. Thank you for being here. You're very welcome. So... Let's see, where do we jump in? Well, why don't we jump in with this notion of the gift of being different? Because you talk about, that's actually one of your things, but I thought I'd bring it all the way to the front of this conversation. I can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so at the beginning of Thriving as an Empath, which is a date book, it goes from January 1st through December 31st. In January, I have a selection on the gift of being different. And one message I really want to get across to people is that being different is beautiful and it's powerful and you don't have to go down the mainstream and be like everybody else. One thing I learned as a psychiatrist and an empath is that I can embrace my difference. I've always been kind of an outsider and going the path less traveled. Um, and my parents were both physicians and I have 25 physicians in my family. Wow. You know, they 
Yeah, I know. I was a sensitive child. I was an only child. And they tried to put me on the middle path. And there was a lot of uh, disagreement about that, you know, because I always fought to save myself to go on my own path. And my mother in particular was put me on the middle path um, of mainstream society, you know, and that isn't my main path. I embrace it, but I had to come to the realization that being different and being an empath and being sensitive, um, being intuitive, all of that, being a, a dreamer, um, it's beautiful, and it doesn't mean I, I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. it, it's I am an introvert, but it doesn't mean that I have to be an extroverted person out there in the world. I can be quiet. I could go in the forest. I could write poetry. I could, you know, sense into my patients in certain ways that, you know, are very useful in diagnosis and treatment. And that all involves being different. So at this point in my life, of course, I, I love it and I embrace it. But part of my message to people who are just awakening as empaths or, you know, beginning to embrace their traits as highly sensitive people is that embrace your differentness. There's so many of us out there who are so different and don't, quote, fit in the mold. Oh, that's absolutely for sure. I don't even know what the mold is anymore. <laughs> Um, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're, we're living such a uh, we're, we're so embracing of differences I think much more now than uh, in, than in uh, history so you talked about this particular difference that you focus on the empath as emotional sponges is that a, is that a main characteristic of empaths and what are some other characteristics it is it, it's a diagnostic type and I mean that in the most positive way and I'm trying to you know get the message out to healthcare practitioners and to empath you know, how to self-diagnose yourself I have a 20 question self-assessment test uh, where you can see if you're an empath and if you are that changes everything uh, but some of the traits of an empath being an emotional sponge you tend to take on the emotions of others or even their physical symptoms mm. um, you might like to be alone a lot and you need your alone time, you love nature, you're intuitive, um, you're sensitive to noise, smells, and excessive talking. Chronic talkers are the bane of my existence when they corner you and, oh, and start talking. Um, I bane you. of my existence. But, you know, part of I know. I know. But empaths are overly polite. And so they tend to just sit there and listen to these chronic talkers where that's kind of what motivated me to write Thriving as an Empath because I wanted to give people strategies, what to do, self-care strategies every day of the year, what to do if you're trapped by a chronic talker. There's a, there's a section on that, you know, or what to do if you're absorbing other people's emotions, what to do if you're overhelping, which empaths often do, or what do you do if you become a martyr versus learning how you know, to healthily assert your needs. These are all self-care techniques and they're characteristics of empaths. Hmm. Now, did you psychometrically validate this 20-item scale? Do you look at correlations with other, like the highly sensitive person trait uh, or, you know, the big five, these sorts of things? Um, what I do is I look at empathy as a spectrum. Whereas in the middle of the spectrum, there's ordinary empathy, which is so beautiful, which is the ability to feel for other people in their pain and in their joy, just to be able to feel for them. Then a little bit higher up on the spectrum is the highly sensitive person who has the sensory elements of sensitivity, um, sensitive to noise, smells, talking, light. 
sound, of crowds, you know, all of that. And then even higher up on the spectrum is the empath who has all of the sensory components. And in addition, we're these sponges that absorb both the positive that's around us, but also the more difficult emotions such as anger or depression or anxiety. Mm-hmm. And we often don't know what's ours, what's in somebody else's. So that's one of the, the sections in the book is how do you tell if this emotion is yours or somebody else's? As empaths tend to just be this open sponge without the same kind of borders that other people have. Uh, where they, I, I personally, I'm an empath and I have been since I've been little, probably since I've been born. And when I'm around other people, I feel them. I don't just think them. I feel them with my whole body. And what I've had to train myself to do is not absorb them. Mm. Or I can feel what's going on in other people, but taking on someone else's suffering is not a healthy thing to do. And that's what I want to focus on in terms of self-care techniques to help empath not absorb other people's stuff. Oh, absolutely. I was just wondering if you um, uh, if you have like reliability coefficients, you know, of the scale. Like, have you looked to see the correlation with like the Aaron highly sensitive person scale? Just just ner- I have nerdy questions. Yeah. OK, OK. Um, well, I'd love to see the scale. If you could send it to me, maybe I can use it in some of my research. It's in front of the empath survival guide and I could send it to you separately. It's also on my website if people want to take the test. Great. Uh, 20 questions, you know, simple Simple questions, very easy to answer, and it changes everything. Because I found that in medicine, so many people are misdiagnosed as chronic anxiety, chronic depression, uh, fibromyalgia, you know, chronic fatigue, when they haven't been diagnosed as an empath. When you're an empath, you do specific things to treat that in terms of self-care and other, other techniques. But if you're not given those techniques and you're not uh, diagnosed properly as an empath, they tend to get over-medicated in our medical system. And yeah. that's a travesty. Yeah, for sure. Um, you may be misdiagnosed with like other things. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. So, so you talk about in your book a whole uh, survivors. It's a, literally a survivor's guide. So, for the rest of today, let's just sur- let's help people survive who are empaths. Okay, you you talk about trust- and, thrive. and thrive. Oh, good. I love that. That's very positive psychology of you, which is a field I work in. I love that. So, well, you say first of all, be aware of the phases of nature and cycles of light, and that is actually forms you know the 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 book and in, in, in how different things uh, have the, the different cycles. Um, did, how did, how did you think through which ones to put in on what season? Like, how did you, did, is it all fall through all 360, 365? Uh, well, in thriving as an empath, I, put, I divided the book into seasons because right. we go through one trip around the sun together and I go through winter, summer, spring, and fall. And there's certain qualities, like in winter now, I have selections such as the wisdom of slowing down Hmm. or introspection or the dark night of the soul really begin to, you know, meditate on, you know, some of the inward qualities of human nature and do a life review. So that's what we're going through now, that that kind of uh, quiet of winter and how to find that alone time, even in the midst of you know, busyness, you know, how you can honor your empath needs. And then spring, of course, is rebirth, where you have, you know, nature resonates with our bodies. And empaths know that. We, we love nature. 
And not only empath-sensitive people or anyone who loves nature can relate to this, how, you know, the coldness and the, the icy cold, if you're on the East Coast or in a snowy climate of winter, or, or even the darkness of winter where the light changes, that affects our body. It can cause seasonal effect disorder. It can cause us to want to go more inward rather than go outward and to honor those changes and tune into those changes. So each season has an as an according action, you know, such as spring is rebirth, fall is degeneration and death and change, you know, with the fall colors and, you know, going through that, you know, and feeling that with an openness. Some people tend to get depressed as the light gets gets less, so that's something to be aware of. That happens to me, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So to notice those subtle changes in your body, if you're an empath, you want to be attuned to nature. You don't want to be fighting it all the time. Yeah. So when you, when you had to like think through which ones to put in which seasons, I, I mean, I thought it flowed beautifully, but I was wondering how thought out was like, did you literally sit down? Do you see what I'm saying? Every 365, did you think through that one perfectly belongs on June 3rd? That one, do you know what I mean? (laughs) How much, how much did you think that through? I did. I mean, that's incredible. (laughs) I think it's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. It was a joy because I, my path is one of Taoism, which is um, the reason I, I love Taoism and I practice Taoism is because it connects me to the cycles of nature. Um, plus, it connects me to my heart and being of service. These are all very important tenets of Taoism. And as an empath, that's very nurturing for me because I can connect with my body and be vulnerable and strong. But sometimes people look at me and they mistake me for being weak or being fragile. No. It's just not true. You? Yes. Yes. Get out of here. (laughs) They they do. They do. But I'm very strong inside. But empaths don't have the same filters. And I'm open on the outside. Mm. And I consciously work with this all the time as an empath. So that's why I want to teach others how to do this. You know, which is so key. Otherwise, empaths just get bombarded by sensory stimulation and go on sensory overload, which is very painful. Yeah, I hear you. You you have a quote: "A little self care goes a long way. Honoring your sensitivities is an act of self love." And I, I tweeted that that quote out, um, which you probably saw. I thought we could jump in. I picked my favorite one from each month. So can I just read each, can we go through all 12 and just briefly, you know, like just, just uh, expound a little bit on how, what people can do for that one that I, that I, that I mentioned. It's like a game. It's like we're playing a game, you know, a game. Okay. So we're going to start and we're going to do January 1st and we're going to do December 31st as well. So, so just January 1st, treasure your sensitivity. What does it mean to treasure it? Yeah. Treasure your sensitivity means to wake up every morning and be grateful that you're open and that you can feel things and that you're not shut off and cynical and cold, that you're a person with an open heart and lots of sensitivities that you're going to work with this year. You know, thriving as an empath means going through every day of the year and tuning into various principles on how you can be empowered and treasuring your sensitivities is January 1st. That's how you start the year. That's a good way to start the year, right? It's a beautiful way to start the year. And we're just coming upon, you know, that day 
It's a portal. January 1st is a portal because you go from one year to the next. Mm -hmm. And so it's something you wake up this morning, that morning, and be aware of treasuring your sensitivities, not, oh, my God, how am I going to get through the day because I'm so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So I'm actually going to pick a couple from January. So January 10th, dealing with overwhelm. What what do you have if you have that feeling? It's like, you're like, ah, you know, like, I, I can't take it anymore. What can you do? <laughs> yep. I know that feeling and oh, all empaths oh. and sensitive people know that feeling. So everybody who's listening, I'm sure everyone could identify with that. But when you get to that point, you know, where you just can't handle anything. And believe me, I, I have my moments, but less less so. I go into alone time. I try and meditate. I try and bring it down and decrease stimulation. Go to a quiet environment. Don't keep going after an issue with someone. Don't keep trying to resolve something with your spouse or, you know, whatever difficult issue you're going through. You want to quiet everything down. And part of the self-care tools in the book is, it really teach you how to deal with, with overwhelm and to not let it get that far if possible, to notice the early signs of, of overwhelm. Does your stomach clench? Do you start getting irritable? Do you start feeling um, nervous or depressed or angry? Are you snapping at people? Are you feeling tired? Notice those signs so you can take positive action to reduce that and feel get back to the sense of calm. You know, that, that you have before all that. But it's a practice every day. Hey, everyone. If you find the themes we cover on the Psychology Podcast interesting and enlightening, you might be interested in my new book, Transcend, The New Science of Self-Actualization. The book is the culmination of my journey to scientifically discover the factors that can lead us to optimal health, growth, creativity, peak experiences, and deep fulfillment. I believe we can still manage to have peak experiences the most wondrous moments that make life worth living, regardless of our current life circumstances. We can choose growth. For more, you can visit transcend-book.com. That's transcend-book.com with a hyphen between the word transcend and the word book. If you get a chance to read the book, it'd be great if you could leave a review on Amazon, tweet about it, or share the book with friends. I truly hope this book can help people get through these tough times and realize that we all have greater resiliency, creativity, and potential within us than we ever realized. Okay, now back to the show. How about January 25th? I thought this one was really quite profound. The search is over. Now, if you maybe I think many people are aware of that. So <laughs> can you elaborate on, on how, how we're allow, actually allowed to have peace? <laughs> We're allowed to have peace and you're allowed to not pursue self-improvement all the time or pursue difficult issues or, or keep going around in your mind about solutions that you need to come to. You're entitled to have a day off where the search is over, nothing to do, nothing to be, just sit and be in your own presence, walk by the ocean, walk in nature. There's nowhere to go, nothing to be nothing to do, and to really get that. You have arrived mm. in this moment. You have arrived, although that's hard for certain people to grasp because they're climbing the ladder of, you know, to whatever. But you have to stop sometimes. That's the key to an empath's well-being is to just say, nothing to do, nothing to be, have a big blank space. 
Your search yeah. is over. Well, I don't. I think you tell go to Wall Street and tell them that. I don't know if they'll. Shoe. I work with people on Wall Street. I work with all kinds of people, and you know, of course, they struggle with that. Yeah. You know, they struggle. Mean, it's a struggle. However, I want to say I work with empaths who are MMA fighters. Mm. I work with empaths who are ninety-year-old women who come in for the first time. You know, to discover their empaths. You know, wow. I. CEOs. I work with healthcare practitioners. I work with uh, veterans. I work with everybody. So I want to say this whole issue of being an empath spans everything. It crosses every barrier. Um, you know, you're, I'm reminded of a study that my friend Jennifer Grimes did for her master's thesis, where she went to Ozfest, which is where all the um, uh, you know, the heavy metal bands play. And she went backstage afterwards and sat them down um, to have an interview after they just performed. And her study was on sens sensitivity. And she found that um, a high proportion of these heavy uh, metal rockers would say things like, oh, I really hate loud noise. Like, I really, I just can't stand it when like, like I need my quiet time, you know, like, and things. And, um, you know, it was, you know, they, I'm a really sensitive person, you know, and, and it basically their, their rock musician allowed them to control it. But, um, and that was nice because they, they were able to control, it, but they didn't like uncontrolled noise and things. And yes, yeah, yes. so. Exactly. So people that are the least suspecting people you wouldn't think are empaths, they come into my office and they sit there and they say, I am so glad you uh, you are, you make me feel understood mm -hmm. as nobody understands me and I'm afraid to tell anybody. That's, oh. yeah, Love especially it. men, more so with men. Yeah, I think because there's a cultural stigma against being a man who's sensitive, right? Right, uh, right. As though you can't be a male who's sensitive and strong at the same time. As I have an empath support group on Facebook and it's 95% women. Mm. And, but they often ask questions, where are all the men? And then the men come out and they say, we're looking at all the comments. We're, you know, we're, we're getting a lot out of it, but we're afraid to talk basically because mm. I was called a sissy or I was bullied or, you know, I, I, you know, don't want to be considered weak. So all of the stereotypical fears and the very real fears that, that men have, it comes out. Mm -hmm. And I want to honor that. But part of being an empath and a man, you know, it's a beautiful thing. To me, it's the new paradigm of being a man. It's the men I'm attracted to are sensitive and strong. They're not just in their heads or big macho people without any connection to their body and their heart. So I think that's the new paradigm as we're evolving into the empathic um, paradigm of kind of globally oh, you know, that's great. and globally. I mean, it might seem like we're far from it, but we aren't because there's so many people who are opening to this. And it's, it's if you're listening and you're just opening to being an empath today, that's the most beautiful thing in the world. Are there challenges? Yes. But there are also, you know, many, 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 many gifts. I love that. I love that. Many, 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 many gifts. Um, so uh, February fourteenth. Uh, what are the sacred? What's the, what's the sacredness of commitment? Um, well, the, it's interesting for empaths. The sacredness of commitment means learning to be comfortable in terms of what you're committing to. And empaths often have a challenging time in intimacy and relationships because they get overwhelmed and they can't do the same kind of togetherness that other people do. Like I personally need a lot of alone time, you know, more so I think than the average person and whoever you're with or committed to needs to get that about you. 
know, very key, very key. And so um, there's a sacredness to commitment when you feel comfortable committing to something. But the primary commitment is to yourself and to your spiritual growth, like to your emotional that. growth. As you have to start with developing yourself, otherwise you have nothing to give or commit to. And so even, you know, social activists, I, I did a weekend with social activists and took them to a retreat in Maine so that they could replenish themselves, you know, so that they have something to give. Very important to be a revolutionary. You've got to practice self-care. So commitment to your self-care, that's, that's not the form of commitment you often hear about. So um, that might surprise some people that that's the direction you just went in. Yeah. It's a sacred commitment to your self-care so that you're not martyring yourself as many empaths do. So you're not giving way too much and nothing left over. So you're not experiencing depression or exhaustion. Most yeah. You want to have energy. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. So March, let's go to March. My past doesn't control me. Is that, is that true? It doesn't? It, it can be true. Wow. And that's what I'm suggesting is that whatever happened in your past, you know, as, as sensitive people, many have gone through traumatic upbringings, you know, whether it's being raised by narcissistic parents, alcoholic parents, neglectful parents, or just not having been seen with a capital S, you know, not having you know, like my parents didn't actually see me. Mm. No, and they wanted me to be something and they loved me. I'm not saying they didn't love me more than anything. I was, you know, yeah. their only child, but they didn't see me with a capital S. And so a lot of empaths need to, you know, learn how to let go of the past and old ideas that aren't true or old traumas that happen so that you could be in the present more. And there are many healing techniques to do that, but to commit to the healing techniques of letting go, go of the past, you don't want to be looking backward all the time. You know, I help my patients deal with the past, but not become mired in it. Good. I like that. I like that for me. Um, so April, say no to drama. Are you allowed to say no to drama? I have to for my own well-being. Wow. I, I can't do, do drama. It's just too exhausting to me. And so, you know, I, I in order to have no drama or to minimize the drama in your life as an empath, you have to be able to set boundaries. And that's a key theme throughout this book is learning that no is a complete sentence, mm -hmm. that you can say no to drama um, and to say no to somebody dumping all over you emotionally because that happens a lot, you know, where people just start. You know, whatever it is they want to talk to you about, they just start and it just spews out. And to be able to say, you know, let's please make a request and we could set a time to talk about it, you know, versus you just starting. I'm just not prepared right now. So to be able to stand up for yourself and have these kind of preformed strategies in your mind when people start up, there's a day in the in the book on venting versus dumping, you know, to be able to, you know, have venting appropriate at the appropriate time but not be dumped on so you know all of this has to do with you learning to speak up which is hard for empaths because they don't feel they have the right to assert their needs they often feel they're going to be criticized or put down um, which they may be you know but still you have to stand up absolutely that was April 6th, and I actually really liked the next day as well April 7th which is actually the date that my new book is coming out April 7th 
What is on April 7th? What is the theme for your book release day? Uh, um, it, the book is called Transcend, the New Science of Self-Actualization. So it's, uh, it's yeah, I'm revising Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, and things of that nature. But I'm very excited. That's the first time I actually mentioned that on the psychology podcast, actually. Come and think of it. So, <laughs> yay! Um, but, hooray. But April 7th, I was just thinking to myself when I read your thing, it said private time with spirit. I was thinking I'm going to need some private time on April 7th when the book comes out, you know, because I'll be talking to so many people and things. I'll need, I'll need that space. <laughs> You will need yeah. that space and, and you need to be a vessel for what's coming through so you could be of service. You know, yeah. that's what I found, you know, going on these book tours and, and talking to people is, to, you know, just allow whatever your message is to come through you. But the private time with spirit is a time to reconnect because being out amongst lots of people, it can be overwhelming for impasse. All the talking, you know, all, whatever comes up, you know, people have all kinds of opinions about your work, which, you know, you you know, it's an interesting to deal with in a centered way and not be triggered yeah. if it doesn't go off well with some people or if it challenges others. That's part of, you know, going inside with spirit. But every empath must learn to do that. And I think on a daily basis, not only on April 7th. Right. I agree. May 6th, the joy of not overthinking. I don't uh, huh. know when I've ever not overthought something. Really? Yeah, <laughs> I overthink everything. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's very common. Um, but one has to learn how to work with the mind and the thoughts. And, you know, I've been working with that, you know, now in my life because I'm dealing with a particular challenge in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, learning, you know, especially more than ever learning not how to overthink it, because if you overthink things, you create a lot of fear. But if you have a rule, I'm only going to think about something for today. And you're not allowed to think about it for tomorrow. Um, I actually have a visualization. It came to me in a dream of these military men in my brain who, if they see a thought that's, you know, overthought or negative or fearful, they slam the door on it. So I have this little team up there that's working to help me. And it's it's um, wonderful when you don't overthink something, you think it once. And then you just let the flow of life happen. Then there's a certain freedom because overthinking is torture. It's, it's, it's so, such torture, isn't it? Yeah, it's suffering and it's torture. And it's something to work with to tame your mind. That's part of being an empath and this book and thriving as an empath, how to tame your thoughts so they don't control you. And when you know you could get in there and have a say in all yeah. this and the goal is to have some empty space up there. You know, when the thoughts come, just breathe and focus on your field or focus on, you know, whatever it is that you love, the place you like to go to when you were a little boy. You know, whatever it was, that playtime, that free-spirited self that's in you. The I child. love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go there. Um, well, I'm going to go there next is June 3rd, which happens to be my birthday. Um Ooh. So I also picked I also picked significant dates in my own personal life because why not? It's my it's my podcast. I can do what I want to do what I want to. Uh, June third is the heartbeat of drumming. Um, how does that maybe you, do you have to do with birth? Um, it has to do with the human heart. Want to calm down the drums, the drum beat, or the yeah. human heart calms your neurological system. And it can help calm children. It can help calm your environment. So having a trusted drum nearby 
to pum, 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 you know, and to just create, you know, the rhythm of life, it could calm you down and connect you to the rhythm of your birth and your life mm. force. Love it. I love how you just put your hands yeah over your heart yeah it's uh it's uh it was it felt that it felt right um july 25th how can someone holding space how can you hold space yeah well that's a key uh strategy for empaths to learn is how to hold space for someone without needing to go in and fix them change them do it for them and just be there for somebody with your heart Holding positivity for somebody, holding a non-judgmental space um, and letting them talk or letting them be in their suffering or letting them, whatever they're going through, just holding space for someone elevates them mm. more so than getting in and trying to fix them. And empaths are notorious fixers. They want to get in there and do something. And certainly I can, you know, that's something I'm working with as a physician because I was taught to fix things. You know, I was taught to go in, analyze, to go in to fix things. So I'm good at that. I'm really good at it. But it's not appropriate all the time. And a lot of people don't want it. So, that's, you know, it's a way to respect the dignity of someone else's path, you know, which is I know you tweeted that, too. Yeah. That quote. Yeah. And to just hold the space, learning how to hold the space for someone without jumping in you know, there are issues too much. And I do that as a psychiatrist a lot. I hold the space for my patients as they evolve and grow mm. work through something. That's a good, a good thing to do as a psychiatrist. Yeah. Don't let them indulge in going round and round and round and round forever talking about the same thing. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, August 7th, wish on a star. Do you like the ones I'm picking? Do you like them? <laughs> I love them. Yeah. I love Due to time constraints, I can only pick basically one or two from each month. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Wishing on a star is getting in touch with the magical part of your being and to just know there's more than this physical reality and to get out of your head and, and, and reclaim that child, that inner child inside of you as an empath and that free mm -hmm. spirit itself so that you can look up at a star. My grandfather, before he passed away, told me that to look up at the star and think of him, he'll be in the first star in the night sky. Mm -hmm. And I always do that. I, you know, that he told me that when I was a little girl, and I do that all the time when I see the first star. I think of my grandfather. Um, but but know that there's magic in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just you know drudgery or chores or doing what's in front of you. You can look up. That's why I've written in this book a lot about the universe and the star system is to look up, look up at the meteor showers in August, you know, the Perseus, if you're in the West, you know, look up at the stars every night and just grasp, try and grasp where we are here, you know, on this planet in this incredibly gigantic, mysterious universe, you know, so you can maintain the mystery in your life as well as going through what you need to go through here. Wow, what a soul-enhancing episode this is. Um, <laughs> September, tw September 20th, release regrets. Yes. Um, as sensitive people, you don't want to carry around a lot of baggage in yourself. And if you're holding regrets, if you're holding resentments, then you're building up negative energy, which gets in the way of healing and growth because you become heavy. And there's a tendency to be you know, self 
self-righteous about this because if somebody really did do you wrong or if you really did make a mistake, let's say, and you didn't go down a certain path, um, it's human. Um, it's part of our growth. As long as, There are no mistakes as long as you learn from whatever it is that you do. Mm. And so to practice thriving as an empath with deep compassion, you know, not judgment, you know, to, to learn how to be compassionate with, I made a mistake. I regret I was not there for my father on his deathbed. I regret I didn't go forward with this relationship, you know, with the love of my life. I regret that. Um, however, I can learn from that and move towards love and be there for other people, you know, in a very deep way. And so you, we learn, you know, we're on a healing path here. If you're if you look at yourself as learning, growing human beings, mm. now it's just all part of it. We're all, you know, walking each other home is one of the, the sections in the book. We're all here together on this journey, and hopefully we can grow more heart-centered, more loving with ourselves and others along the way. I bet you really like Sharon Salzberg's work. I love Sharon. Sharon, is, you know, heart as big as the world. Yeah, she's a friend of mine, too. Oh, I love Sharon. I've known Sharon for many years. And I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> That's why I say that. Um, uh, so I felt like that one on September 20th was so related to October 11th, which was, can do you, do you remember which one was October 11th off the top of your head? I was, I was Jesse, are, you, are you one of those like calculator ca savants, you know, uh, but anyway, October 11th dealing with loss, um, dealing with loss seems related to that one. Um, how, how can you help people who are really having trouble uh, letting, letting go of, uh, you know, moving on? Well, just know that it's, we all have trouble letting go and moving on. So you're, you're not alone with that. Um, and life is about gain. It's about loss. It's about cycles. You know, sometimes, you know, somebody passes away in a family and then a baby is born. So it's, again, the seasons. It's the season of winter or autumn, which is death and, and transformation. And there's a season of birth. So life is about cycles. And loss is a, one of the most painful, inevitable parts of life, whether you lose a job or lose a lover. You know, it's very, very painful. And yeah. to go yeah. through the grief of loss, where I find that people make a mistake is they try to shut it off or they try to not feel it. And loss and grief is just part of life. I'm, I'm sorry to mm. tell people that, but it's, you know, I think it's, it's inevitable and you need support. You need loving support. And um, you're grateful for all your relationships now, you know, to be very, very grateful for, you know, the people in your life. Now, you don't know what's going to happen in life. It could turn on a dime. Well, so that's you want, so true. Like, yeah. You want to be grateful for what you have. And if you lose something, you have to be willing to feel the pain of it. And as you do, there's another you'll keep moving forward. There's another light that will replace that and help propel you forward. So it's a it's a common common thing that we all go through, and it's part of empaths sometimes experience a loss or a betrayal or a hurt of some way, and they don't go on. Mm. They stay stuck, or they become recluses, or they don't want to be in love again. They don't want to love again. And I just bring this up because it's common, and we don't want to get in that place. We want to keep loving no matter what. Keep loving no matter what. Is that what you said? Uh, I yeah. did. Yeah. Um, well, that relates to November 14th. Go where the light is. 
I think yeah. that's related. Um, a good segue. A good segue. Can you can you talk a little? Uh, th- there was something that I liked about it. You said you, you're like you know you admit that the that that the darkness can be exciting and and even dangerous. Um, but you said something really I thought was really uh, valuable to me personally. You said, "But the love will always be there when you're ready for it." Right. Exactly. I um, love that because I I, I find I love the dark side. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, I also love the light side. I, I love I love humanity. I'm in love with humanity. You know what I mean? Like I'm in love with. Um, I guess my my definition of the dark side is not as dark as maybe other people would define it. I'm not talking about like you know like really dangerous things that like to hurt people. That's not what I'm referring to. But you, you know what you know what I mean? I'm you know like you know like 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 indulging in our hedonism can be fun sometimes, right? Yeah, but there's also a day I've devoted in the book to keeping your edge because, you know, being an empath isn't just being this soft love and light, you know. I love that. You want to keep your edge. You want to have some of that edge. You know, you want to be raw. You want to be, you know, innovative. You know, you want to just go with that, too. So you're both. I mean, that's what I keep saying in the book is that we we carry all these qualities. And as you said, you let you go, go to all these areas because you're comfortable with it. Not all people are, but I'm glad that you bring this up um, to safely navigate the dark, you know, so you don't tip over into it is a, is a challenge. And you want to go where the light is because a lot of empaths deal with toxic relationships and they're often attracted to, let's say, narcissists or people who have empathy deficient disorder um, over and over and over again because they had parents that were narcissists and they're trying to replicate the pattern and heal it, which doesn't work. But that's, that's a big theme that I go through in the book and how to be attracted to the light in people instead of the dark mm-hmm. simply because it was how you brought you were brought up because there's a, this erotic component to, you know, narcissism. If you're brought up by a, a narcissist as an infant, you might have an erotic connection with that kind of thing that has to be shifted. So it's a, it's a big subject. But, you know, to go where the light is with people, with situations, mm-hmm. you know, with you know, where you're at with yourself, your own thoughts, go where the light is. Yeah. More often than not, that will, that won't steer you wrong. It yeah. won't steer you wrong. Yeah. Um, well, okay. December 31st. You ready for December? Shine. Br- yeah. Do you remember what that one is? Shine brightly, warrior. Impact. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yes. I think the culmination of the, of the year is to, Embrace all the self-care strategies that I wrote about and to shine brightly and keep expanding. There is no end to this. Mm-hmm. You don't reach a point and then it ends. You keep growing lighter and brighter and more loving and more powerful. And that's what the end of the year will celebrate. You want to celebrate how you've grown this year. And if you get the book on December 31st, start with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, start with wherever you are. And the book can be read um, in sequence. It can be read. You can ask an inner question and then turn to a page and use it as, you know, an intuitive book where you just turn to a page and get the right answer. You can go right to your birthday, as as some people do, as you did. You can read yeah. it before you go to work, as some people do. So there are all kinds of ways to use the book. But most importantly, you want to shine brightly and be proud of your light and not let all these naysayers and, you know, critics and people, disembodied heads, you know, put you down. Uh, disembodied heads. You made me think of like the, all the news channels and all of the, uh, um, you know, the, yeah, the yeah. talking heads, the talking heads. 
I don't know if that's what you meant, but that's what. Um, okay, so I'm just going to end here today with a couple. I did Twitter Q and A, and I don't have time to ask everyone, and there's a lot of redundant questions anyway. So I'll just pick a couple, if that's okay with you. Sure. Um, Leon's Existential Cafe asked, "How can highly sensitive people? I guess they also mean empaths. Um, I often, I think, I think you probably get them synonymous a lot of times, you know, yeah. but they're probably not always synonymous. But how can highly sensitive people, or how can empaths, accept that they don't have to be a globally good person to feel good about themselves? Um, you need to be a, a good person to feel good about yourself, and you can do that in your personal life. And being the good, being a good person." is the most spiritual thing you could ever do, mm. you know, to me. And it's part of Taoism, being a good person. You know, that's so important. And that just means in the small things in your life, you don't have to worry about fixing everything all the time. You could do the best you can in your life. And that doesn't mean you won't fail at times being a good person, but then you'll pick yourself up and keep going that way. You have to take the pressure off. Sometimes empaths want to fix everybody and everything. And I think that's what he's getting at. And I think he has to take a little, give himself a breather, you know, and just focus on the minute details of your life, which are so, you know, really important to keep it small and then let the light build and have that expand. Gotcha. So I think it's, um, I think that's what they're getting at. It's sort of like, you don't, don't have to be such a perfectionist. No, you don't have to do everything. Many empaths are being demolished by the world situation and the news cycles and what's happening, you know, with our leadership and all around the world. And so you can't take it all on. That's the kiss of death for an empath. You can do what you can in your life. You can in your meditations. You can. Yeah. So try not to take too much on. But if the opportunity presents itself where you can help in a larger scale, you want to go for it if it feels intuitively right. Gotcha. Okay. Darlene Lifeson, I hope I pronounced that right, says, an empath myself, I struggle uh, most with being overwhelmed by other people's strong energies as they're occurring. Any advice for handling toxicity or crazy making in the moment? Thanks. Uh, Yes, there's a shielding technique that I talk about in thriving as an empath where you can, if you're around a really toxic person and you know who they are because you can feel sick or tired around (laughs) them, you just go, your eyelids get heavy. You can practice a shielding technique where you envision a bubble all around you and it's a shield of, you know, of goodness, of positivity, of light, and nothing can get into it. In terms of, you know, all of that negativity and whatever you're encountering, you're safe in this, but it's the power of visualization, you know, to really get that down so that you can protect yourself around these toxic people, but also not choose toxic relationships. And I suggest in the book taking, and I have a a workbook, a journal, the Empath Empowerment Journal, where you can journal about who are the toxic people in your life. And these are the strategies I'm going to use with them, but you do it beforehand. You don't, you know, you, you, you do it very methodically so that you can not take it on and setting boundaries is important. Not looking deeply into their eyes is important because energy is exchanged with deep gazes um, by not, you know, hugging them necessarily. Mm-hmm. No, by keeping a distance, by not being emotionally triggered and not getting into drama, as we talked about in another selection in the book. Wonderful. Oh, let's do one last one. Okay. Well, this is hard to pick. 
let's do Psycho Briggs. How to stop caring so much about others' perceptions of them. How do I finally be like, I just don't care what you think about this decision I made. You know, that's me adding to her question. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's key, you know, because um, there's a section in the book on opinions are the lowest form of knowledge. Yeah. Where people have, have all kinds of opinions about your life. You know, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, you should be going to this school, you should be with that, falling in love with this person, you should not be traveling to Asia right now, you should be staying at home, you shouldn't be working and and having a child at the same, you know, all kinds of stuff all over the place. And just realize people will have all these opinions about you and it's your choice, you know, whether or not to believe that. And if you believe their negative opinions, that means you are being emotionally triggered and there's something in you that needs healing. And so I know that's often a lot of work, but I've worked diligently over the years. I have a friend who's very opinionated and has just been hitting me with her opinions for you know so many years. You know, to look at my own issues where I feel lacking, you know, to be able to see where I'm emotionally triggered so that her opinion, she could say whatever she wants now for the most part, and it doesn't bother me, but it's, you know, I, I've used her as a teacher because I love her so much, but she's very opinionated, so it's extremely mm-hmm. irritating. Um, however, I've looked at it as a, a learning experience. Well, uh, maybe we should view everything as a learning experience. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Judith. I really appreciate you coming, um, Dr. Orloff. Thank you for coming on my podcast today. Um, it's been it's been a long time coming for me, and uh, I, I think a lot of people get a lot of great wisdom from you today. Great. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Psychology Podcast. If you'd like to react in some way to something you heard, I encourage you to join in the discussion at thepsychologypodcast.com. That's thepsychologypodcast.com. Also, please add a rating and review of the podcast on iTunes and subscribe to the Psychology Podcast YouTube channel as we're really trying to increase our viewership on YouTube. In fact, many of these episodes are in video format on YouTube, so you'll definitely want to check out that channel. Thanks for being such a great supporter of the podcast and tune in next time for more on the mind, brain, behavior, and creativity. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. 
Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.